You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast. Welcome to the Massive Report Podcast. We are back after a few weeks hiatus. We took some off-season time to collect our thoughts and allow some news Celebration to of championship. Yep, that too. There was plenty of that. Well, we were doing that even before the last podcast. But That's fair. Uh, we're here at Saucy Brew Works, corner of 3rd and Michigan. We have a smaller group today. It's myself, Patrick Murphy, uh, Brett Hillbrett. Hello. Hello. And uh, Sam, you're going to have to talk today, at least a little bit. Fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't always done this during the off season, but we really all like each other. So we decided when there's news, we'll get together and we'll recap it and give our thoughts. To be fair, if it was a losing off season and they had like absolutely trashed and didn't make the playoffs, we probably wouldn't be doing this until preseason. Yeah, so. that's fair. The excitement level around the team remains high. So yeah. there's... It's fun to talk about this group right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and also I think the because the off season is so short that like, um, that especially with a deep playoff run and West Cup uh, run, like the time between like when when the final whistle blows and when preseason starts is feels like about a month um, because it's not much longer than that. So, you know, train keeps rolling. Yeah, whether we like it or not. Yeah, it definitely whether does. We like it. Uh, since, what has it been? Two weeks, three weeks since we last recorded? Uh, we, I think we kind of left off with the draft, which happened on the day of uh, the last time we recorded. Right. So we have not yet addressed some of the signings the team has made. Though we did talk about a couple of these guys potentially. Um, the big one, I think, is... Uh, Mar- Marino Hinestroza, uh, who came over from Pachuca. He is a midfielder. I saw a lot of comparisons on social media, which is not always the best place to find uh, accurate information. In this case, I don't think it's accurate. To Luis Diaz, while I do think he will play on the wing, I do not think this is a Luis Diaz-type player. Uh, Brett, do you know anything about... Hinestroza. Yeah, I've watched. I've watched a little bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure where he's going to play just yet. I think it feels a little bit like a wing back signing to me, which is a little strange. Um, when I think you know, you see. When I think when it's natural to think like, okay, U twenty two guy. Um, oh yeah, we should you know, mention that. Hashtag young DP, um, which we don't call it that anymore. Um, that you th- you automatically think winger, right? And like attacker, goal scorer, um, you know, because I think that's just kind of how we think about that. You know, people playing that, pe- people playing those positions at, at a certain price point. Um, but in terms of the player profile, from what I've seen, both. Um, with him at Pachuca, but also specifically, I think, in just in terms of like technical ability and and um, kind of what he brings, that it, to me it looks a lot like um, Yao, um, but maybe a smidge more attacking-minded um, and definitely more um, capable of combining and playing in tight spaces uh, and and um, and quick passes and, and that court, that kind of thing, which is a little bit different than what Yao, I think, brought, brings to the table. So that'll be interesting. 
Um, I, I do think there's there's a chance of some inverted winger, pocket winger stuff going on there too. So a couple, maybe a little bit of versatility, um, which in wide positions I think is is a good thing because of. Uh, and we'll get into this a little bit with some of the depth issues that I think we're starting to see now, uh, both on the right and left side, um, especially some of the question marks that we have with Mo Farsi's future uh, in this team. So um, it's, uh, I think he's a, definitely a positive signing, and I think he's really, really talented, and, and, and obviously kind of remains the same to be seen in terms of MLS adjustment, but the... Um, the profile was different when I actually got into the video than I was expecting. And that, I think, is interesting because, um, you know, where our expectations were and where he might actually be are two pretty, pretty different points. Yeah, I think based on kind of how we ended things, and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, when in talking to Bez and talking to um, um, Nancy at their, like, season wrap-ups, both of them mentioned not only adding depth but wanting to be able to kind of do you know, have a different uh, a way to attack teams. And I think that the signings that they've made, and I will group in Derek Jones Jr., who we've talked about a little bit already because it was fairly apparent at the point when we recorded last that, that that was somebody that at least that they were very interested in. Both these guys, I think, can probably play a number of different positions. Mm-hmm. And I think depending on where you line them up, it could change the way the the setup is and so like you mentioned with with Henestrosa he could be a wing back like a Yao but you could also play him as a, one of the front three yeah you know and have a wider player as opposed to a Rossi and a Matan right um, and, and, and things like that uh, I know he's even been mentioned as you know coming into MLS could he play even as a 10 uh, a little bit I don't know if you're going to need that with what you've already got right but I think it does give you some versatility. And, and look, I, I don't know if you can talk about this enough this offseason. Take away the other competitions. It's going to be hard to repeat. Like, we've seen it. You know, we saw what happened after 2020. Uh, even in 2008, and, and, you know, you go back through other teams as well, it's not easy to get back. And LAFC got close this year but couldn't get the job done. So teams are going to study you quite a bit this offseason, not only to try and emulate some of the stuff that Wilfred Nancy did, but to beat you. And you're going to get everybody's best shot next year. And so you need to have some curveballs, some different ways to attack and defend, frankly, against these opponents that are going to be rather familiar with you than a a year one of Wilfred Nancy's Right, and I I also think that the... The, the blueprint in terms of what it can look like when you're both catching everyone's best shot and also playing pretty much the maximum number of games that you can play is what we yeah. saw from LAFC in 2023, which was like looked really good for stretches, but then you get in the big games and you get whacked. Um, so um, that is, I think, going to be their biggest challenge by far is like trying to maintain kind of um, – maintain a consistent floor bare minimum for a, for performances um, and having those expectations while also managing um, you know a, a roster that is literally not built for this many games like right. the, the, the the rosters in, in the league are just aren't so aren't 
big enough, ready for you know playing fifty some odd games, depending on how you know how deep your run goes in the postseason. So, um, versatility is huge. I think guys that can kind of you know the um, you know the 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 Pedro Santos Memorial player who plays a bunch of different positions throughout the season award winner might be might have some competition amongst some different guys. Whereas Zawatsky ran away with it this year. Um, it might be a handful of different guys because people, I think, are going to have to shift and change and be a little bit more um, open. And I think this guy, um, at least from what I've seen so far on video, has that ability um, both in terms of, I think, upside, but also just, you know, the player profile, I think, fits. I think the, the biggest thing about, like, a team getting, like, the crew getting the best shot and, and team studying, if, if the crew were a team that got hot and all of a sudden figured it out in the last like game or two and then hit the playoffs super hot and teams didn't have a chance to kind of study them. I would say that's the case, but the crew kind of really figured things out the last 10 games of the season before even going into the playoffs mm -hmm. and they were already getting everybody's best shot. I think what happened is that the crew figured out themselves in how not to blow these games and how to be able to come back, which is what helped them in the playoffs versus them being figured out like teams are not giving them their best shot. I agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think Wilfred Nancy did a great job of continuing to progress this team. Like we sat here, you know, a little under a year ago or a little over a year ago, I guess. And we're talking about how, you know, it looked different from day one to mid season to the end right. of the year. And it very much did probably more than we even expected with the number of yeah, additions. No doubt. But you're going to have to continue to evolve this, you know, from what it was in MLS Cup to what it will be week one. Now, maybe the lineup looks the same, yeah. but you, you need some, some wrinkles in there. And guys like this, uh, I think, can help with that. We've talked about Derek Jones. You've kind of given your thoughts on him. Uh, but now that it's official, you know, do you think he's more of a center back? Or do you think it's just kind of a, we, we've got a guy who can do some different things. We can put him in and let's just see where it works out. I still think it, I think in terms of, I feel like I use this phrase a lot, but in terms of player profile, <laughs> um, to me, it looks like, um, you know, a guy that you feel comfortable throwing out there in the midfield. Um, but I think in terms of what you would want to see him look like come say like, last week of September in 2024, that's a, that's a ball playing center back, right? In my mind. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that the biggest thing for him is this is a, this is a dude that um, has kind of failed to meet expectations, right. which were really, really high from basically when he was about 16. Um, and that's and, and, and that that sounds harsh and, and I don't necessarily mean it in like you know he hasn't lived up to the billing. It's just that the it's more of like that's how kind of high he was projected to be. And I think I don't think there's anybody in MLS who um, has already shown with a proven track record of taking guys that maybe you didn't necessarily think had. Um, you know, kind of had the had a higher ceiling and a higher floor than than what you had seen previously, and actually gotten the best out of them and more. So he he's the biggest project that I think Wilfred Nancy has right now on this team, and 
Um, and for me, it's all upside because uh, you have two locked-in starters in those midfield positions at Darlington and Aiden. The guy behind the two of them is probably starting on every other team in the league in Sean Zawadzki. So, like, you don't necessarily have to, like, say, all right, we, got, we have this guy, we're going to throw him in there, and we need to depend on him right away. Right. You can m- massage and manipulate it a little bit. Um, and I think that, for me, looks really good um, as a death peeps and bouncing back and forth between the two lines. Um, and then his size, too, I think is a is like kind of an underrated part of this whole of the whole signing in, in terms of I think outside of Schulte, he'll be the tallest guy on the team by a pretty decent margin. Um, and uh, and I so I think that looks really good too. him and Christian, I, I would guess, are probably probably fighting for the second tallest guy on the team behind Schulte. So um, it works. I think it looks if only re- they put heights on the roster. Well, you know, I'm judging this from, like, looking up or down at them um, <laughs> on the field. You'd so think that the roster would Christian's have heights about on Christian's maybe a smidge taller than me. I run I run pretty much six feet on the nose, and I would say Christian's probably, like, six one and a half, uh, maybe six two. Schulte's probably every bit of six five, I would say. So, and I think D. Jones is about six four. So, um, and a long six four, too. Um, and, like, uh, and the length uh, thing for demids is that's something that like we don't really talk about, and it's this is like a a bit into the weeds in terms of tackling analytics and 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 how how duels and tackles are won, and then kind of how you how how there are certain schools of thought on how you evaluate that position in terms of ball retention. One of the reasons why our tour was so underrated and why like. Players could get fans and stuff could get frustrated with him, but coaches especially were like, "Oh my God, look at this guy! is a second ball, like vacuum." And the reason why was his length, his his legs, um, just a, a little bit longer than maybe the average D mid, and his ability to tackle when you thought you maybe had a split second more time yeah. was one of those things that I think was huge. Derek Jones is that is that and then some, and so I think. Yeah, he's a bit taller than Artie. Probably a good, like, two inches, two, three inches taller than Artie. So um, that's a big factor in this as well. So the the profile, I think, looks really good. The project part of it, I think, is all upside. Um, And we know that the guy in charge is really good at kind of reaching in and figuring out which buttons to push to get the best out of people. We've seen that already in a short time frame. Why would you expect anything different in terms of a player project like him? Yeah, and if... You know, if you do want him on the back line, I mean, obviously that adds to the project part of it, right? It's a different position than he's yeah. played. Uh, but you saw how quickly Sean Zawatsky adapted right. to that. And, you know, obviously you need a player who's committed to doing it. But I imagine those conversations have already been had yeah. in, the, in I, the free agency. I, for me, it's, it's it. I think you see him, you'll, you'll see him in left center back a, a decent bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe multi Moldy comes over and pushes over into wing back on a handful of occasions. That would be where I would expect him to do. Maybe he's a guy who spells Rudy um, in that in that center back center center back spot, but the middle center back spot. But well, Tom will see. Tom will tell, and I think we'll see. But it's an interesting thing to watch and kind of keep your eye on because it's it's very similar to what we said, you know, kind of a year ago at this time, February, March, April. Probably not playing a whole lot, but I think he's a guy that you would, in terms of where they're projecting him to be, is a is a September October playoff 
like kind of lock in terms of a guy being heavily influential in the team? I think what's going to be really interesting in this year, and and we've touched on it with the depth needed, but there are going to be MLS games when you're in Champions League and, and things like that where you're probably calling up multiple Crew 2 guys, at least to be on the bench. Um, you know, and as you get into the weed of the season, weeds of the season, maybe later on, and you know, we've touched on some of the the crew two guys. And look, talking to Tim Bezbachenko, talking to Wilfred Nancy, they're comfortable with those guys. I don't know about them being regular contributors, but guys that at least, you know, there are some guys in that roster that they feel like can start to get their feet wet and will need to. Because as you said, Brett, this this roster, the, the limitations on MLS rules just doesn't allow you to have the number of guys that you need to to make changes. Or just feel playing. comfortable. Like, yeah. I, it's is it doable? Absolutely. Is it going to drive your your training staff absolutely crazy? A hundred percent. Is it doable? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's fair to say it's doable because we've seen it before. Um, but we haven't but, seen it with. So I mean, other than LAFC, with League so Cup is what yeah. blows it all to hell. And obviously, we were waiting a little bit to see what happens with Open Cup. Who the hell knows at this point? But um, those ex air quoting, scare quoting, extra games in League's Cup—that's what gets you because those kick off kind of those dog days of summer stretch in MLS. That 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 training staffs, uh, the fitness staff folks, you know. They lose. They lose. Excuse me. They lose sleep. <clears throat> Apparently, my voice is scared about it too. Uh, <laughs> they, you know, you, you lose sleep about it now when you think about it. Um, you know, come uh, you know, late July, August uh, stretch of time. And which, by the way, there's an interesting factor. I don't know if we were going to plan on getting this. Another kind of like nugget or something to kind of keep your eye on is, and I don't know if, if anyone saw this or touched on this today. Um, but I talked to him, Fetty Pizzuto leaving the crew to go to Caleb with Caleb yep. and Rebs um, as head of their fitness and whatever. And he's been here a while. A long time. Yeah. And that dude. He we, took a suspension this year. Yeah. Like that guy, if, if we, we've, we saw his passion on full display. Oh, he's a, great. A number he's of, fantastic. A number of uh, occasions over the years. The one thing that I always blew me away with him, no matter what was going on, positive, engaged, and bought in, no matter the context of like the game or the moment, and like what had happened before or after. And I, I really felt like, especially in that 2022 season, like he was like kind of the guy that like got the team ready to go on an emotional standpoint. And I know he was the same dude in 2023. I mean, if you're squirting a water bottle at official because you're pissed, and you know, every right to be bad um, in that game. Which Who would do something it, like well, that? At, when, at some point, we, we, we need to do a retrospective on that game because it, it, it it, we can't let the insanity of, I forget his name, the, the Ukrainian referee, we can't let the insanity of that game get lost in the annals of history because we need to remember it. But I feel like we need to bring Jim Ruther for that for that episode I would, because I, I well, want to hear the back end so, of so some of that stuff. It's funny because we've you, you bring it up quite a bit throughout the year of okay, that's an off season podcast, yeah. and we should we, we should have made a list yeah. of all those things. Like really? we should next season, Sam. I'm going to need you to bring a notepad. We'll take notes of those. But 
We if haven't only had we a, had a place where you can go back and listen yeah. to these things. Well, yeah, but you have to go through all of them. It's easier to just write them down. We, we, have, we, we, not, we have work to do in terms of the, the accumulation yeah. and, then, and then exporting. Of, but we've of, had such a short... I mean, we still have time, obviously. Yeah. We can still hit on some of those topics if we start getting closer to more weekly, which... Yeah, and, and, and for everybody's benefit, I guess, we, we are actually... I know we've talked about it in previous years and it just hasn't worked out, but it seems like things may be working out that we will have guests on this year. Yeah. Unlike previous years, just as as uh, things have exciting. changed, Watch yes, this exciting space. things. Yeah. Um, but what I, what I'm saying is, the program that Fetty and his staff, in concert with Chris Schenberger and Chris Rumsey, the the the, the training staff of the crew, um, that changes with some new people coming in for Wilfred Nancy, and so something to kind of maybe watch a little bit, and how maybe that we we won't really know. You won't really necessarily notice in terms of what's going on on the field. But what it looks like, what the team looks like in August, may be a little different, especially with the, the, the sheer number of games. With a new face in there and maybe some new opinions and some new philosophies, that's something to also keep an eye on. How much do you think Bez and Wilfried talk when they're talking with players and negotiating with them? How much do you think they talk with them about how their philosophy to handle all of these games and like what their role in coming in on a team like this. I think that especially a team that has kept basically its entire starting 11 from a championship year. I think it's a significant part. A lot. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Wilfred Nancy, I mean, that was something he did before last year. He evaluated the players early on in preseason, but then there was a lot of conversations about roles. And I mean, you heard it a lot in the week leading up to MLS Cup talking about you know, guys, I forget the, 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 what he says, but it, it's like something circle that he talks about basically saying, you know, the, the message is guys need to be ready and you don't know when your time's going to come, um, but that you have to not only put forth your best in practice every day because you're pushing the guys that are starting, but there could be, a, you know, a moment's notice where you're called upon. And I think uh, Mo Farsi, excuse me, is the best example of that in the playoffs when all of a sudden that Atlanta game we're going to go with Mo, and I don't think Mo saw that. I know Mo, because I talked to him about no. it, didn't see that coming. So I think the idea of roles and, okay, here's how we see this, but always being ready because, you know, he could just, I mean, especially with match congestion, you know, okay, A, we need to move this guy out because he's in the red zone and we can't, you know, he can't play 90 minutes, so we're going to bring him off the bench. But also tactically, you know, Derek Jones Jr., you haven't played in three yeah. weeks, but now all of a sudden, or maybe you've been playing center back, but now we need to put you in midfield, you know. So I think there's a lot of conversations about that type of stuff, and I, I would assume that that then carries over when you're, you're signing guys. And, and they've been pretty meticulous about the way that they sign players and kind of the fit. Like, Wilfred Nancy didn't want to sign many guys when he first got in because he wanted to see how it all worked and then how... You know what you needed yeah. to complement what you already had, right. and you know you obviously saw more and more guys get signed throughout the season. But I think, um, in terms of like contract conversations, um, like you know, do we see you? Uh, it's a, it's like the old FIFA days. Like, do, are you a squad? Ro- I remember this like managing managing FIFA teams in the video games. Like, are you a squad rotational player? Right. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see those conversations happening in that kind of 
specific situation. But I do think it's more of I think it, it I think it's more of what Pat's saying and I think in year two it becomes even more clear. Um, and they also have the the added leverage of having a championship to kind of essentially demonstrate um, or prove why the f- the philosophy works of here's why we do X, Y, Z, and here's why we, um, uh, you know, we, why and how we make certain player personnel decisions. Um, and, uh, and then here are the results of those decisions. Yeah. And, you know, boom, playoff run, um, MLS Cup championship. Look at the, the buy-in of the locker room. If you don't believe us, walk in there. We'll close the door. We'll walk out. Talk to the players. Yeah. See what they Go have to Go talk say. to Kevin Molina. Right. Um, like, I think I loved what, what Christian Ramirez had to say um, in term. I think I don't remember who asked him the question, but it was like, you know, you went from a guy who started a lot to coming off the bench in the postseason. Like, how did you maintain a you know, proper mentality? And he said, I kind of I just lied to myself or that's, those are my words. But he essentially said I was I pretended that I was starting. And yeah. that was kind of how I maintained, you know, the, 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 the proper level of intensity that worked for me. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is that guys know, like, essentially what's expected of them from an effort standpoint and how that effort is rewarded with playing time. I think that's very clear. That's very upfront. Um, and, and then you see kind of how that distills uh, as the season goes along. And so, um, or kind of how that comes out of the wash, I should say, uh, as the season goes along. Um, I think the other thing, too, that helps is, like, the young guys are always going to be hungry. Um, and I think there's, there's always going to be a certain expectation of, like, I'm a little bit younger, so I'm going to be work as hard as I possibly can, and then some. Um, and how that kind of, I think, dovetails nicely with more yeah. of, like, a veteran approach. Because um, that, that, the crew, I think, are very top-heavy in that. Some vets... And some young guys, and there's not a ton in the middle, mm-hmm. in my mind. Um, that I think it's th- those two things work really well in concert with each other in terms of a locker room. So, um, how they manage three and eights, four and fifteens, I think will be fascinating. I, I think you'll see a lot of guys um, who will play like the first fifty minutes of that third game in eight days. And then it's like Max Darfson, like, boom, buddy, you're coming in, and I expect you to run your fucking face off, right? Like, I think you'll see a lot of that. And then maybe that, depending on how that third game goes, that dictates what you do in the fourth one. Um, the, I, the, I wouldn't be super surprised to see some travel stuff be a little different, where if you've got two games in a relatively short time frame that are both on the road, do they stay out? Which is pretty rare in MLS. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen a little yeah. bit more. Um, so they'll have to do some tweaks there um, to aid some recovery stuff. But um, I, ju- I just think the, the way that they manage player expectations, which we've already seen, seen to, to be as, about as good as anyone we've across the entire league, that's where I think it all kind of works, um, and that's where all that sausage is made. And I would expect that to be about as good as you could possibly hope for. The other factor, or another factor, in terms of the crew trying to repeat, is other teams, right? And 
other teams are going to work to get better. Um, we've seen it already this offseason with teams making signings, um, you know, things like that. Brett, as you kind of look through some of the, the, the names that have stood out to you of guys that have been, whether it be within the league or, or additions that they've made, what, where are a couple that stand out that you're like, ooh, that, that upgrades that team? Well, I think we're all kind of waiting to see what happens with uh, Denny and LAFC, who mm-hmm. kind of demanded basically today, today being what, Monday the 8th, like, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to go to France slash Europe. Which is crazy um, to me, by the way, because of the way he was talking in the MLS Cup yeah. press conference like beforehand. Uh, you know, he just sounded like he loved it there. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Um, I think losing has a lot to do with that. Um, maybe more so than anything else. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Cincinnati for me, though, is like, I think the big one. Um, Brandon Vasquez on the way out for a pretty big chunk of change. Not bad for 150 grand worth of Garber <laughs> bucks. Um, the so the Chris Albright, Pat get what like 10 million worth to play with, um, and you're losing a guy who was not really that effective uh, in two 20, years ago. Analytically, 2023, not that great. Yeah. Um, and uh, now two years ago. Well, right, yeah. but if, the you, national if, team. if you're looking at like assist per uh, assist per game, um, dynamic touches per game in 2023, way, way, way down, um, barely above MLS average, um, and, and to kind of get between what they got for him and what they got for Brenner, I mean, we're talking what close to about 20 million dollars worth of quote unquote extra money. Um, and they went out and they go get Miles Robinson that, you know, I know Matt Doyle, MLSsoccer.com, called it the greatest free agency signing in MLS history. And I scoffed initially in the first, like, initial, you know, snap reaction to it. And then the more I thought about it, the more I pretty convinced Doyle's right. Yeah. Now, um, just to be clear, free agency has only been around for... You know, still new, but, like, yeah. also right. Um, this doesn't go back to 96. It's, it's wild. It, I think, for me, it's it's crazy to think um, a little bit of watching a team address their, their very obvious deficiencies in a pretty succinct, and I would even go so far to say is, like, um, like kind of killer way, the way Cincinnati did. Mm-hmm. We were like, all right, well, you know what? We could do a lot to improve in defense. Boom, let's go get maybe the best guy in the league. Um, I think we can definitely improve in front of goal. The one guy we have up there doesn't want to be here. Cool, later, see you, bro. Thanks for the memories. Uh, cha-ching. Um, so they look really good, and, and there's still some stuff to do. I, I, Barrial, there's still some questions in terms of his signing. Um, if he comes back, and I know he has interest in Europe, but if he comes back, since he's going to be right back where they were um, in 2023. Yeah, Bart and I, and I'm sad he's not here, <laughs> in our internal text, gotten a little back and forth about this signing. Like, To me, this pops when you look at what since he was able to do this year. Now you add arguably the best defender in MLS, maybe the best American defender yeah. um, to that back line. And you know, look, and also with Demids in front of him, who right. care, which right. he did not have in Atlanta. Yeah, and and I think that's an important part yeah. of the conversation. And remember, you know, when he got hurt, when he tore his Achilles, it was a 
big deal for the U.S. national team yeah. to not have him at the World Cup. And look, I know you know the crew right now have everything hanging over Cincinnati right now. So there's not a reason to dump on that and think that Cincinnati is going yeah. to be you know this unbeatable team. But I do think it's a smart move. Um, I'll be interested to see what the numbers are in terms of what he's getting paid. But we know it can only be so much as a free agent signing. Um, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Credit to to what they're doing down there. In, in Cincinnati, um, you mentioned LAFC. I thought you know maybe they have struggled a bit this offseason. And you bring in a guy like Hugo Lloris at goalkeeper, which is not a position I think you absolutely needed to, I'm going to say upgrade. I'm not even sure you upgraded with a guy who's really struggled. I mean, he's a name for sure. Um, you know, that's the team you just played in MLS Cup. Yeah. It wasn't like they were getting the doors blown off and and having issues there and you mentioned uh some of the other things that may go on there i mean this is a team that since they came into the league have been really dominant yeah one off season that doesn't go right that can change quickly in MLS. yeah that feel that felt like a 2000 like a 2010 mls move yeah, right retirement league move um makes no sense uh, that was like spending money for the point of spending money that that that's a the, the, the old bolt, bolt strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off. Um, uh, you know, the the other one to me that I think is intriguing, um, Orlando re-signing uh, Oscar Perea, huge. Mm-hmm. Upgrading at the number 10, um, Mauricio Pereira, gone. Nico Ladero, who I still think has some legs in him, back in, and also Nico not playing on turf. Interesting there too, because um, that dude's still a, you know, one of the all-time great MLS players. If you if you can get his average from from them in a position that they really had no juice in, that's a little scary. Um, and then obviously we're 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 everyone I think is still. Whether we like it or not, we're still looking at Inter Miami and yes. Luis Suarez, who talked about how he could barely run and needed all this stuff. And my God, my leg! What's wrong with my leg? On my way to an MVP season down in Brazil. Yep. Don't Leading quite understand score. how those two things manage to <laughs> compute. Um, I don't think he'll give you the the pressing that we saw during his Liverpool days, where he was just an absolute menace, and he he probably kept defenders up at night. Um, but I would expect all the the attacking prowess to translate to MLS with little to no effort. Um, and then... Uh, and that it, becomes a scary team. Yeah, I mean, and, like, and if they get Jules, which I think they probably will... Yeah, he that, is not signed. That, if, with Gressel going, that position battle with him and DeAndre Yedlin is fascinating. Do you go with technical ability? Do you go with skill? Or, and I've seen... In skill, or do you go with, like the you know the little engine that could out there i've seen a few people suggest that that um yedlin could even you know move inside and almost stay steven marrero well, and, and, and gressel could can yeah, too right yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's probably at least three positions that 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 he helps them at um the you know they're i think they're the betting favorites right now um which i think is hilarious because we all know league-wide like how how inaccurate those preseason <laughs> things have a tendency to, to, to be over the course of the history of the league. Um, but yeah, that the, the, 
you know, the, the whole Friends of Messi deal, that contract that somehow keeps popping up down, down there in Miami. Must be it's, nice. It's fascinating. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, and then the other one for me is um, Red Bulls with uh, Emil Forsberg coming in. Um, was a very non Red Bullsy signing yeah, there, absolutely. which maybe signals some different intent in terms of the, you know, maximum effort, press, 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 energy, drink, soccer that we're used to seeing from them. So maybe a little bit more uh, tactic stuff from them, which wouldn't be a bad thing because I actually think they have a pretty good foundation to build off of. Do you think that Cincinnati would come back to earth? the way Austin did when they had that fantastical season. I mean, I know they were pretty consistent. The juice consistent. ran out in the postseason with them, right? Like, all right. This, if you think about the Eastern Cup, Eastern Conference semifinal, the, the two chances that they created, really one and a half, both went in, and then the high-leverage one that doesn't go in, that's the Schulte save on what's-his-face. Yep. Outside of that, did they do anything in that game? No. Um, the regression is certainly there uh, in terms of potential but I do think, um, for me, the, the biggest difference with Austin is they regressed, but they also did improve defensively. And so it was the, the, attacking, the attacking ability went down while also being below average defensively. I think they, they mitigate some of the risk to regression because they've really solidified what they have in defense. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I think that I, you won't see them... The difference between their expected goals and like the actual goal count won't be as great as it was in 2023, but I still think they're, they'll, they'll probably be about as good as you would expect them to be, um, just simply because they're going to win 1-0, 2-0 at about the same rate that they won in 2023 because of how good they are defensively. So that's kind of the thing is like it feels that there was a lot of things that that really kind of like the momentum was their way and they kind of lucked into some wins. Yeah. And you're like, is that luck going to last enough for another, for another entire season or does it falter? And those, those balls that were going their direction all of a sudden do not go their direction. And then do they start spiraling? Well, I think, I know we talked about that from that perspective a lot, but I think they were less that, especially as the year went on than Austin, because you have a guy like Acosta, who's a proven guy in this league. Um, Whereas I think Austin was trying to, you, know, you were using a lot of newer guys to the league. Yeah. And so like one year it works. Can you, can you sustain it? And I think you've seen with Acosta, now you add extra help in the back. You've got the midfield there that looks good. Um, so I think, you know, look, are they going to win the Sporter Shield again? I don't know. I think that's a pretty unpredictable thing to try and try and guess. Yeah. But I still think this is going to be, you know, I think Ohio is going to be very good for MLS yeah. uh, in terms of, of talent. Uh, two other guys I wanted to mention, the first being Will Trapp, uh, just because he's Will Trapp, re-signing in Minnesota, which I think is huge for them. Uh, I know when he was on the free agency list, there were a number of crew fans I saw on Twitter like, bring him back. And I'm like, well, I don't think that makes any sense. You have Darlington. Where would Will play? Because you're right. not taking Aiden or Darlington out of there. Uh, but no, I, I, I mean, I've talked to Will. I still talk to Will. I know they're very happy up there. So glad that, that they were able to, you know, got young kids and things like that. Don't have to move the, move the family. Um, Dax McCarty. Yeah. Headed to, to Atlanta. To Atlanta, which, look, I don't know how much Dax has left in the tank there, but 
I think on a day, he's still a, a solid midfielder in this but, And also, like, the I think it's it's a locker room signing in a lot of ways that actually I think is kind of low-key smart. Um, you're not going to ask him to play the whole year. They don't really have a true defensive midfielder right. on the team, which is why they, they, they were so bad um, in games that mattered. Uh and why they got exposed a lot. And that, that that's kind of what I was saying with the, the Miles signing. Since he is, like, homeboy was as good as he was without, a like, a legit, like, person who cared in front of him. Um, and the fact that since he has two of those guys would make a big difference. Um, weird uh, for me from Nashville's standpoint. I thought the their spine was really solid. Um, and... I thought Hani Mukhtar basically depended upon the like the Dax McCarty trademark line breaker win the ball peak take one touch hit the ball like that no, he's done better than anybody ever yeah. in this league um and that to me was the entire trigger for anything they did going forward there's I don't I don't that one look really weird that was a weird thing for me to see him go um especially uh, in terms of financially, it, I don't just doesn't make much sense to me. Right. But um, yeah, I think the I think it's a smart uh, move from a locker room thing standpoint to get a veteran in there to kind of school some of the guys. They're going to lose Tiago Almada at some point in the summer. I would expect for yep. twenty five yep. plus It'll be a million. One. So how do you hold on to? Um, you know, championship expectations when you lose a guy like that. Well, you do it with a glue guy in the locker room for that's probably, I would say, um, you know, maybe the first step. So, but yeah, weird one from Nashville standpoint. Now I don't really know what they do in terms of D mid because it, uh, they lose him and they lose Fafa Pico who willing runner to get in behind. And, uh, Tyler boy comes over from LA galaxy to come in and I think kind of replace him, but he's not the same player profile. So I don't know how that looks like, but, um, the it's a little bit like Philly, like I, I, you know, in terms of what does Philly look like if Carranza's gone, um, and uh, and you also lose the heart and soul of your team. I know you're trying to resign Al Bado- Ali Badoya, but you probably should have done that in the middle of the season anyway. How what's Ali's mindset? while you're negotiating with him yeah. now when you should have done it six months ago. Well, when they were talking, I was watching uh, in the playoffs and they were talking about like as if he was, you know, this was could be his last game. Yeah, type and, of like, and, and there was a huge dis- disconnect between what Jim Curtin wanted and once, what yeah. Ernst Tanner and that group wanted in terms of signing. So, um, yeah, I think Nashville will be an interesting team to watch in terms of regression. Um well, they, they kind of regressed yeah. on their own in the on season. On their own, and like I, they, and it's like okay, well, you lose like the guy who kind of stirred a lot of things, and oh, by the way, that dude was thirty six. Yeah. How do you upgrade from there? Um, but yeah, that. Um, I don't know if Atlanta. I don't know. If Dax McCarty doesn't make necessarily Atlanta better on the field, but in the locker room, I think yeah, for sure, it works. Uh, one more I meant to include with that uh, last group. Zach Steffen coming back to MLS, yeah. uh, going to Colorado. Which Colorado I think, making some moves, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. They just added uh, Mihailovic yeah. as well, right? Right. Uh, um, but look, it hasn't gone well since Zach left. Yeah. For now, he did have a brief stint in Germany where he was playing pretty well. 
knee issue after that. You know, he was never going to take over as the Manchester City number one. After this, they have Ederson, who I believe is even a year younger than Zach, maybe a year older, but regardless, he's, he's a young goalkeeper. And Zach's moved around a little bit on loan. Again, injuries. Coming back to the league, look, following in sort of not the same path because Tim Howard's path was very different overseas, but coming back to Colorado where Tim Howard played. I know right. Zach is a big, big Tim Howard guy. Uh, I don't know if that played into this decision or if that was just the opportunity i know that uh i remember talking with tom bogart at the uh media soccer game that you helped that we helped uh coordinate and he said that i I assume we can talk about this now since it's all said and done that colorado got mad at him for putting that story out there and did because they were worried that oh crap other teams are going to realize zach's available and maybe they swoop in and uh but they get their guy i think it's cool zach's coming back uh I saw a lot of people when it happened on, on social media in a very positive way. You know, crew fans, you know, you've, you've got your goalie and Patrick Schulte. I think every crew fan is very happy with that. But I really hope it works out for Zach and that he can kind of get back, get his career back on track, get back in the U.S. national team picture, whether that's as Matt Turner's backup or you know, Matt Turner's not had a great season uh, over in England. So can Zach, you know, unseat him by playing regularly and playing well here? in MLS, but a good opportunity, I think. He'll be the number one in Colorado, and, and I, like you said, I think that's going to be an interesting team to watch. Got to play, there. right? Um, and, you know, Matt Turner is Matt Turner because he played. Yep. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen... I mean, it's, I mean it's, at, at this rate, it's, it's the most predictable thing in terms of translating from the lack of club play to being bad in national team is if you don't play, you stink. Like it guar- it's a guarantee, uh, especially at that position. Right. Um, so, you know, I think in terms of men's us men's national team, uh, picture, you know, that's the move there. Um, quality of life, I think is way better. Um, on Could some hang level, out with Jordan. um, yeah, you know, you, and, uh, and also I think like, Colorado, like, it's nice to finally see the Rapids make some effort. Instead of it being, like, the the tax haven, you know, hiding money property that it, it has been for, you know, since Stan Kroenke took over, it's actually nice to see them try. Um, and, I, and so, because I think those fans deserve it. Um, and so I think these, you know, signal the efforts in the right direction and hopefully at the very least like mending some bridges that they wondered why they were on fire while holding, you know, the match. So, um, yeah, got to play, uh, get back in the picture, get on a gold cup roster, Copa America, maybe, yeah. and go from there. I, uh, I cause, hope because I think it's up for ga- grabs, right? Because turn Maddie's not playing. What, what does Gaga Slania look like? I don't know. Right. And then you've got, three really young guys who are playing lights out in an MLS right now who are yeah. in this January camp. Um, Coming up, yeah. Right? So, it's not... It's it's up for grabs. And you got to get out there and play. It, it always surprised me. First of all, I'm really happy that Zach's coming back because I thought him going to Manchester City was a very, very weird transfer because almost everybody knew there's no chance he was going to play for Manchester City. So... The crew got a bunch of money out of it, but I don't think it did anything for his development. Having said that, um, I, I'm surprised that 
if his agent was shopping him or he like anybody knew that he was available and of all places Colorado's the one that pulls the trigger like I could I could have seen him gone to probably a few other MLS teams um but yeah, like you said, Colorado's at least he's showing that see, they're making effort. He's going to see a lot of shots. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Might uh, not be the worst thing. Yeah. Uh, while they're shifting gears a little bit, the crew has lost a crew two head coach, uh, which we were just talking about, Patrick yeah. Schulte, guy that came up through that. Um, what do you think, Laurent Courtois, losing Laurent Courtois? means for this team and then we can kind of get in what it means for Montreal <laughs> all right I this is a good example of like for me you, what I what I think of like in terms of it's like uh, how do you how do you think about it with your head how you feel about it with your heart my head says it means diddly nothing <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in a negative way it sure. sounds negative yeah, I don't yeah, mean yeah, it yeah. in a negative way um, I think in, I think it's more I think that job is hard I think it's challenging I think it's um, and the success that he had is, is his and his alone and, and he deserves all of the, the credit and then you know any success that comes from it like boom he's in Montreal and I don't never in a billion years would we have projected that for him yeah, when he came into seasons. the team, right? Um, uh, my head says it means very, very little. Whoever they bring in, hashtag bring Pipa back to Columbus um, now, um, is, uh, I, th- I, 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 I think that's, it, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, my heart says that, you know, it's, I think he was a really great person. I he think was. he really went out of his way to connect with fans. Um, you know, the, I think a lot of the buzz around Crew 2, in addition to the winning, right? But I think a lot of the buzz came from his outward passion, sure. his yep. type A passion that he showed for it. I think it would have been really easy for someone to come into that job and, like, kind of try but look a little disinterested and he absolutely did not approach it in that way and so he deserves all the credit in the world for that it's huge for him i think it's huge for crew two in terms of showcasing again what what the what um being invited into that fold in that environment in terms of an incubator can mean for for players and coaches now is there a better job in terms of player and coach development in all of american soccer right now no um, or at least not many. And and so, um, and so that I mean it, it, again, it's it's a credit to Courtois, it's a credit to Corey Ray and Isatol and Bez and, yep. and all of that. Um, and I think too, like the relationship, whoever they bring in has it, it's got to be a specific type of personality because the relationship that he has with for Nancy, um, Corey and Bez is going to be more important than ever, than ever because of the of the back and forth that you're going to see from personnel between the two teams because of the um, what we talked about earlier in the number of games. But um, it's uh, yeah, I think it's 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 a vastly positive thing across the board for everyone, um, and it's going to be really freaking hard for him and Montreal. Um, I wish him the best of luck. I hope for the best. Holy sweet mother of God, does it not look very good from a personnel standpoint. The only other place that's worse is Chicago. 
Um, I just think it's interesting, you know, not that they got rid of Wilfred Nancy, but you're essentially going back to the well here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, we'll see what Laurent Courtois does in terms of playing his own style, but I imagine it will look similar to what Wilfred yeah. does. Because even under Caleb, they were playing a back three a lot. They were it doing was different. S- it was way yeah, different. Yeah, right? it wasn't what... The, I mean, there were still first-team principles under Caleb, obviously, but... Well, talk about a complete 180. You go from, you know... Right. The, you know, like, again, I think I made this joke already. Like, you, you know, we can achieve enlightenment through soccer with Wilfred Nancy to, um, like... Hernan Losada, maximum overdrive, like Terminator soccer. <laughs> Back to, like, you know, maybe, you know, Jogo Bonito again. Like, what a talk about a 180, two of them yeah, now for right. that roster. Um, when, like, Bryce Duke is your best player, all due respect to Bryce Duke, that's not great. Um, they've got some above average pieces there. I think, you know, Jeremy Brogiard is a really underrated outside player. Sean Yeh. Chanier um, is a decent attacker, and I thought they punched above their weight in stretches. But like, if if he gets them into an even average MLS type kind of result and an output, I think that's a massive victory, and it's a huge, it's a huge, huge project for a guy basically playing with first team players for the very first, or coaching with first team players for the first time. It's uh, it's funny. I pulled Good luck. Up. I wish him the best. I think it. I think it's definitely possible. But I pulled up. It's the, gonna make. Ooh. It's gonna make for some really interesting games when crew play Montreal. Worst owner in MLS, maybe second worst owner in MLS. Yeah, it's Ooh. not good. Uh, I pulled up the Revolution website because I wanted to see what moves they'd made. But the front it's of their look really familiar. Yeah. Well, the front of their. The front page, the big story that comes up is Revolution announced updates to first-team technical staff. And you already touched on this a little bit. Uh, all guys that worked for the crew, pretty much, <laughs> under Caleb, uh, which is funny. Playing the hits, baby. Yeah. No, and, and look, Caleb's done. I mean, Pablo Morera's been with him nope. pretty much the entire way. He... There Caleb. were two layups. You knew there were going. There were two guys, no matter what, that were coming. That were coming in into town. It was. It was. They were layups. Blair and Pablo. Yeah. I didn't right. have to look. Blair yep. and Pablo coming yep. in. Um, Blair leaving a head coaching job in Tulsa to come and and be an assistant. Look, he and Caleb are essentially attached at the hip, yes. uh, and they have been for a long time. That's a team. I mean, I know we've already touched on them a little bit. We don't need to go there, but. I'll be interested. I still think roster-wise, as you touched on the last time we recorded, like they could use a couple upgrades, but you know, they're, they're not in a rebuild mode by any stretch of the imagination, even after missing the playoffs. They've got enough talent to be a, a factor in the East, I think. Got some questions at goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, hashtag watch this space. Um, you know, this turning this into a Revs podcast. But <laughs> there might be some news We've touched there. on a little. Um, the... Uh, Striker is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, that would be like legitimately maybe my favorite storyline to watch all year. Um, a good if you know, you know kind of situation there. Um, but the pieces are in place. Um, no Gustavo Bo, he's done. Um, but I, I still think any, any team with um, Caleb, who's really good at getting the best player in half space um, and on half turns, uh, and Carlos Seal is still the best half-turn player in, in MLS. Um, maybe there's a, Argent, a 
somewhat small Argentinian guy down in South Florida that might have something to say about that. But, you know, Heel is probably in, in the ballpark in terms of that ability. Um, and, and I don't think anybody does that better than Caleb. And with some serious wide players, they're going to be solid. All right. Well, this was uh, based on our recent podcast, an abbreviated version of the Massive Report Once podcast. I get, we, were, we, we got into the weeds and yeah. MLS roster stuff. And, and the only thing that would have made this you know, podcast go longer is if we started talking contracts. You mean if Bart was here? Yeah, well, Bart and I would have gotten an argument about Miles Robinson to begin right. with, which would have been fun. Um, well, and I think there's still, and that's what I was going to say, is I think there's still a lot that we still have to talk about this offseason, but I wanted to save some stuff for when Brett, Bart and Brian, yeah. or Bright, I can't combine their names, that didn't work as no, well as it. They're, it, too, it, they're too similar. It started okay. to work in my head. It did not work in um but yeah, we wanted to we wanted to touch on some of the the updates that have happened with this team uh, the last few weeks, and kind of get back in the swing of things. Because look, I think the crew tweeted it out today. What like seven Mondays, eight Mondays, or something, until there's a crew game. I think it's eight Mondays. Oh yeah, God. which is nuts to think about already. Yeah. Like, because the first game is on the twenty. If I was yeah. if I was working in broadcasting and MLS still. Well, speaking of hashtag watch this space, that's not for me. But yep. if you know, you know. Yep. Um, that would give me a little bit of anxiety, and I'm not an anxious person. But holy mother of God, eight Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> no off season. Give me a break, people. I think it's it basically comes down to something like. 12 total weeks from the end of MLS Cup till the first game yeah. of the next, uh, if even. Yeah. And that doesn't include, that's that's from game to game, not from game to preseason. Right. Which preseason, I imagine, will start here in the not-so-distant future. Yeah. But uh, will probably I, be in the bubble in like two weeks. Right. Well, and I think, you know, if you're a team that missed the playoffs, this has probably felt like a pretty long and arduous offseason. Yeah. But even teams that just, you know, I imagine people doing the exact same thing we're doing in Cincinnati or Houston right now are thinking man this this has gone quick like, right. you know and, and right. Cincinnati probably doesn't want to talk any soccer until it gets to preseason yeah well the Bengals are done so that is else. true that's fine there, I guess you got your Bearcats basketball down there but uh, stink too yeah it's not been great <laughs> all right well Sorry. we're we're gonna wrap it uh this again somewhat abbreviated version we hope uh the next time we convene which we'll figure out when that is we uh, will have our full cast and crew here, but you know, life is happening to uh, to all of us, so things get in the way. But uh, thank you, guys, Sam, Brett. Uh, I'm Patrick. We are here again at Saucy Brewers, the corner of Third and Michigan, and uh, we'll be back here. We plan on doing at least a few of these before we really get into preseason and, and kind of everything that's going on, because. Again, we have thousands of off-season topics we still haven't touched on yet. So uh, in honor of Bart. Start rolling those guests in. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Bye, buddies.